0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app.
1: This commission cannot interfere with prosecutions or arrests that are simply not happening. And without the commission's work, will never happen. I am concerned that the commission could be knocked off pace by a self-interested party, vexatiously raising concerns about some unspecified potential future prosecution, or what could possibly be, but is currently not and may never be, a criminal investigation. We will encourage the Commission to interrogate any objections about potential investigations or prosecutions aggressively, because this is a public inquiry into criminal activities. Of necessity, by calling this Commission, government has accepted, and we will urge the Commission to accept that they may need to walk into territory that is usually exclusively, but has not been, for reasons that are unknown, the territory of the police. This balancing exercise between non-interference in criminal investigations and establishing a comprehensive understanding of how money laundering is working in our province will be difficult, but critically important to the success of the Commission. Shutting down lines of inquiry over-cautiously will undermine the overwhelming desire of British Columbians for a public airing of these matters. 77% of British Columbians wanted this inquiry called, according to a poll by a research company. of British Columbians believe money laundering is a problem that needs to be addressed in our province, according to Angus Reid.
0: That is Attorney General David Eby speaking from The Ledge this morning here in Vancouver, a day many have been counting down to the Cullen Commission's inquiry into money laundering. The Cullen uh, inquiry tasked with listening to concerns and garnering feedback from British Columbians on how dirty money being cleaned through gambling and real estate, and luxury cars, among other things, hitting our provinces uh, literally right where we live. One of the great uh, global investigative journalists who brought the depth and breadth of organized crime in our region uh, to the forefront is joining me on the line now, Sam Cooper. Thanks for being with us, Sam. Thanks, Jody. Can we do a little bit of a walk down uh, memory lane here on uh, how you started to dig into this? I mean, you really did bring it to the forefront. Can you walk us through the early
2: days? Sure. Uh, it's a very long story to boil it down. Um, I really started to look at uh, very um, unusual real estate market activity in Vancouver after 2010. The prices were just uh, rising pretty much exponentially year to year. There was really no explanation or connection to local incomes or economic activity. I started to notice some very uh, large investors, a lot of crowdfunding pretty much all of it connected to mainland China. I then found that some of these uh, people were suspected of criminal activity uh, in another country, uh, China. And, you know, that in a nutshell really led to uh, discoveries around casino activity, real estate money laundering, and eventually um, alleged uh, drug trafficking activity. I found really it was all about finding big fish and then, seeing network connections, so that was all about um, my investigation and as it rolled, you know people were reading it. These would be people in government, police, uh, casino companies, regulators, and I started to hear from some essentially saying. You're on the right track. We're following the same people. So there was sometimes, you know, a little bit of help in understanding, sometimes pointing to documents, and in some cases, documents that uh, under Canada's laws wouldn't have come out. But it was very important that they did. They they helped me establish a, a lot of facts. And I, I really do believe that's why we're here today uh, at, at this inquiry.
0: So you're referencing their Freedom of Information Act uh, papers that you were able to request and then dig through. How much paper are we talking about here, Sam?
2: Literally thousands of records, uh, years of digging through legal applications, and again, sometimes um, records that didn't come out through freedom of information, records that never would have been released, records that, to use the simple term, were leaked by people that believed that uh, our governments in Canada just weren't uh, following this crime, and we just heard Minister Eby say, look, this inquiry is... Uh, going to be pushing the boundaries of what police in Canada should have been doing. That's why we're here. So thousands of records, a lot of connecting of dots, a lot of legal vetting, a lot of editing went into this work. And uh, it really is, I believe, a case where the media, for a long time, has really been the only institution that has been sounding the alarm of what's going on in BC. So uh, it is gratifying that we're here today in this inquiry.
0: And we thank you for that. Sam Cooper is a global national investigative journalist and has been on this story for more than a decade. And uh, Sam, when we do talk about the government's reaction, I mean, people will say, well, of course David Evie's going to try and pin this on the Liberal government. And of course the Liberal governments are going to say, well, you know, we, we couldn't figure it out like any else couldn't figure it out. Like what, what do you make of it? Because the answer is somewhere in the middle, is it not?
2: Well, you, you're absolutely right there. In fact, I just talked to one of the whistleblowers that was very important in, in my investigations and, and will be important uh, in the inquiry. The person said, I expect to hear a lot of people that were responsible or indirectly responsible, pointing fingers upwards, downwards and sideways, no one really stepping up and taking responsibility. And one of the important uh, factors for global news was saying, yes, of course, in the past decade as a Peter German said this exploded but look we went back to the 90s and spoke to whistleblowers inside the casinos that said hey it was the NDP that raised betting limits from $25 to $500 and brought in baccarat the favored game in Macau money laundering and that really kicked it off so it's fair to say a lot of people and and multiple governments multiple politicians be taking, we believe, some responsibility.
0: I think that is such a very key point in this, Sam. That change where can, casinos went from sort of a fun place to go, and it kind of helped out, you know, in your local community, and then all of a sudden it was legitimized in a way that became more of a Vegas model without the checks and balances, perhaps, or the professional um, gatekeeping and and. I don't even know what the term is for some, I mean, how somebody could walk in as you so famously wrote with a duffel bag full of $20 bills and nobody flags that.
2: Well, that's exactly it. Common sense, any reasonable person, uh doesn't have to be a police investigator to to realize that and that's exactly what the police uh, you know uh, detectives that that talk to me say hey on the street if you 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 look at that bag of 500,000 coming in no one in their right mind says that it's not likely crime money but that's exactly what was happening really for decades and uh, I have to say it was sort of you know the best excuses this was in the context of really a, a big sort of trade and economic strategy where we were looking to the east for a lot of investment. And then what occurred really, um, when I boil it down, is that people that were in positions of power really didn't want to know about <laughs> the origins of a lot of this money. And that's, that's what happened on a macro level.
0: Sam, what, of, what do you make of the fact that there has been basically zero accountability on any level with regard to this file, money laundering?
2: Well, it's a, that's really the, the question at, at the center of this inquiry, and that would be, you know, was there corruption that occurred where regulators and police didn't um, uphold their mandates, which is to uphold the law for Canadian citizens? So I think we can say that, you know, why wasn't there accountability? I'm told by by police investigators that there just was really no interest up at the upper levels in governments to look into the nature of this money that was coming in in hockey bags, because... Everyone uh, with, you know, responsibility knew it was coming in in hockey bags. A lot of people knew that, you know, just because someone calls themselves an import-export business person didn't mean they were that. In many cases, police suspected they were connected to drug trafficking. And so if people in the government knew that and were told that they weren't interested in having police investigate, would that be willful blindness or something worse? Those are the questions we need to answer. But we can say with certainty that in Canada, money laundering isn't investigated and and prosecuted. We have the studies around that. And it just seems to be a case where I think cynics and, um, you know, credible cynics would say this was about a lot of uh, money coming in to boost Canada's economy. And people just decided it wasn't important because uh, a lot of people were making good money.
0: And that really, I think, to the layperson is the piece. We have to follow that money. Where, where was that little bit off the edge of the desk going to possibly have somebody turn a blind eye? And where's the accountability to that individual?
2: Well, yeah, and there's two that, that gets at really two key questions. If I'm an investigator or a, a commissioned lawyer, is there a difference between turning a blind eye because it benefits the economy and we've decided money laundering is a victimless crime? We now know it's not. No. Three people per day are dying of opioid overdoses in DC, so we know that's not true. But that's one thing. Uh, you could say that's naivety, stupid-y, <laughs> stupidness, short term thinking. But are there people that, you know, were getting consulting gigs after, you know, leaving the government or taking a job in a casino and turning a blind eye? Look, I can tell you that there's evidence that suggests we need to look very strongly at that because that would be the worst type of corruption. And I'm hopeful that the commission gets into that territory because I know there are people that think they have to.
0: When an inquiry like this um, is underway... Vetting of that seems to be the topic this morning is who might vet vet the government documents that are given to the commission. Should there be any vetting of documents, or should documents just simply be turned over?
2: Well, in an ideal world, they'd be turned over, but we know that there are many well-paid lawyers, um, you know, uh, representing the parties. Withstanding again, I talked to my whistleblower source. And that uh, the person said exactly what you pointed to. Those documents should be turned over, but there's going to be a heck of a fight to make sure that um, let, if you've got a smoking gun and you're a lawyer, or is it in your interest for, to turn it over for your client? No, you'd be doing your job in a bad way. So I think that there, there's going to be fights, but from where I stand, the commission is going to be ha- you know, have to be very forceful in using their powers to subpoena documents. And drill down into what are the most important documents, because i don 't think anyone will be served if you know they get uh, you know a million documents they have to get the right documents
0: unredacted
2: that's right, absolutely unredacted, like some of the key records I got that allowed uh, uh, our investigations to connect you know these top uh, money laundering whale suspects to alleged drug traffickers, to alleged real estate money laundering, and beyond. We've also heard today that uh, money can be laundered in, uh, in tuitions at, uh, you know, BC's best universities. And Jody, I'll just give you a little tip now. Please. One of the persons in my police studies that, uh, that is pointed to as, um, we'll just say, a developer, and alleged narco, is allegedly, well, we know, was a student in BC. So look, these are the issues that... I, I know something about, and I think the, uh, you know people who watch the inquiry hopefully will know more as it comes out because it's very dangerous territory to report on.
0: Uh, it is, and when people speak to how much due diligence may or may not go into investigative journalism in 2020, I can speak from first-hand knowledge of, of how closely and detail oriented and, and how lawyered, vetted, double-checked, triple-checked, and multi-sourced all of your pieces are, which is why they've garnered the level of attention and respect, Sam. Um, I think it's important to point out that you know, you're know you not just going on, when you say a source, you're double and triple checking what your sources say to make sure that you have documents to back up these things. Globalnews.ca is where you can find a link to watch the Cullen Commission.ca uh, It is all for public consumption and it's fascinating here as well and, and should be noted, I think, Sam, that you, if you are Asked to appear in front or before the Cullen Commission's inquiry into money laundering, you are compelled to do so, correct?
2: That's my understanding. I, I've read that whether you're a, an alleged gangster or a government employee or, or anyone, you can be compelled. Certainly, um, from my understanding, you know, the, the these actions aren't taken lightly, so I don't know what considerations go, go into that, but I expect that we'll hear from most or all of the people the Commission wants to hear from.
0: Do you believe that you've exhausted all possible avenues of how money laundering has been impacted or... Do you think that perhaps the the criminals, like that, looked at the Vancouver model and laughed at the Vancouver model and and really exploited it? Have found a new way around um, and new loopholes? I mean, we we talk about FinTrack a lot. We talk about how the RCMP unit was dissolved that was supposed to look into and follow along with money laundering and the issues surrounding it. Uh, where do you think we're at now and moving forward with with this regard?
2: Well. That's a great question. I mean, the the one thing we know from the experts, and and I can see it, is that when money laundering is like water or playing whack-a-mole, when you hit organized crime in one area, they're still selling the drugs. They still have warehouses of cash or cryptocurrency to jump ahead of myself, and that's going to move into other areas. So, uh, you know, another source had told me in the 1990s when they saw that, uh, you know, of course, the Internet was growing in leaps and bounds. That's when police in Vancouver recognized that infrastructure for money laundering was being established, making B.C. a corporate headquarters, really, of global narco trafficking. So the Internet is a huge play in, in how money's laundered. And we've heard this morning that cryptocurrency is going to be part of what we hear about. And uh, I absolutely see a lot in in that area already
0: all right that's that's where Matt whack-a-mole goes next and in, in terms of how this issue has spread from bc really being ground zero to a, across the country is what we've learned is what you have uncovered and and what what you've exposed helped to sort of stave this off from affecting other major centers across the country
2: we can say with certainty that you know in uh, it was a bit of a frustration for reporters in British Columbia and experts that Ottawa didn't seem to be paying attention to money laundering that's starting to change we had calls in the last election for a, a national money laundering inquiry. Uh, it, it didn't work out that way, but I'm certain that people in Ottawa are very uh, are paying attention to this, this inquiry. I mean, uh, we have already established that uh, suspicious transactions in Ontario casinos spiked in 2018 when there was a crackdown in 2018 uh, in BC. So you can see how that water flows, you can see the direct correlation, and I do believe that this. Uh, needs to be a national uh, study and conversation.
0: Thank you so much for this, Sam. Thanks, Jody. That's Sam Cooper, Global National Investigative Journalist. You should read him. You should watch him.